Let them eat cake. listening to I Saw It in a Movie, an advice podcast co-hosted by your friendly cinematic pals at Movie John. I am the old sport and classic coroner, Rosalie Kicks, and this is my film pal, The Red Herring. Ryan Silverstein. And each episode, we take a question from our listeners and go to the movies for the answer. So Ryan, what's happening? What's going on? I mean, it's... uh... It's been a year um, of, well, actually, I was trying to remember, do you remember when we started doing this podcast together? Because it's probably been about a year. Yeah, I actually was thinking about that last week when we were recording. I'm like, it's been almost a year because we have about 35 episodes banked at this point. And I feel like the first episode we did record in person was like obviously before COVID. Mm -hmm. We only like recorded in person like twice. And then we all got into this lockdown situation. Yeah, I'm looking now. Okay, April 6th was our first episode officially. Okay. Yeah, so that definitely got put up after the fact, though, because we had like recorded a few episodes and then like lockdown happened and then we had to figure out this whole like virtual recording yeah and then we had some breaks in there um but you know so it's i feel like i've been feeling that we've been in a year of lockdown recently (laughs) um as like oh yeah it's now been you know longer since the last time um i was able to like see some friends in person and you know, the last time I had a, like, it's been almost a, almost a year to the day since I had like the last like press screening at a theater. Yeah. I really miss going to the movies. Uh, Cause I feel like obviously I enjoy watching movies at home because I like our setup that we have, Mm -hmm. but I still find that I become distracted Whereas when I'm in the cinema, it's like, I just give myself to the movie and I don't have a cell phone, you know, blinking or a dog barking or, you know, noise from outside. And I miss that. Right. Or like, you know, if it's one of those things where if you get a thought where you're like, oh, I should check on that. You're like, oh, uh, let me pause the movie and I'll go look that up or I'll go like check on that thing in my house. Where it's like, if I'm at a movie, I'm like, oh, I'll just remember to do that when I get out of here. Like, exactly. You know, it's not if you even remember. Right. Because you're just like, I don't remember. Oh, well. (laughs) Right. Like, because you're just like, the movie Mm -hmm. has overtaken my body. Um, And, you know, as many of the movies I liked from last year, I know that I would have enjoyed every single one of them more seeing it in a theater. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's definitely true for me when it comes to, I can think off the top of my head, Nomadland, for example, mm-hmm. because the cinematography is absolutely gorgeous. And I would have loved to have seen that on a big screen versus my TV. Uh, and that's just one example off the top of my head. But I agree, there are many movies I would rather watch in a cinema setting. Yeah, and I hope that, you know, at some point when things smooth out a little bit, like, I would, you know, I kind of wish that, like, maybe for, like, one, you know, one week or, like, two weeks out of a year or one month out of a year, they would be like, here, we're just playing 2020 movies that you should have seen here, but you couldn't. Yeah. Uh, I I hope some theaters end up doing that somehow. Yeah. I mean, it may not happen, you know, within the next year or so but i could see that happening down the road where they're like hey remember covid (laughs) and then they just start like re-releasing things that nobody saw in the theater yeah exactly like like little things and then you could go watch it 
I mean, Little Things technically came out in the theater. I don't know that anybody actually saw it in the theater. (laughs) Yes, because it needed to be eligible for an Academy Award so that Jared Leto could be nominated. True. Very true. But supposedly, we're getting more BS this year. Supposedly. Really? Yeah. Cool. So what have you been watching lately? What do you want to share with the listeners? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I guess because I am of the generation where a new Disney animated film coming out is like a big deal. Um, like Aladdin is probably the, is the, one of the first, one of the movies I remember like being excited to see, you know what I mean? Like I definitely, I think I'd seen a couple movies in the theater before that, but I remember that being like me asking to go to the movies and like anticipating going to the movies. And then I liked it so much where my mom and I actually went a second time later on in its run. And I was like, I didn't know you, I didn't know that 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 I was allowed. Like, I didn't know you could go to the same movie in the theater Mm -hmm. more than once. Um, So in my mind, those are all big events. Uh, I was able to review the newest one that just came out on Disney plus Raya and the last dragon uh, for movie John. And I wanted to recommend it to people. Now it is, it's part of this Disney plus premiere premiere access is what they call it and it's 30 bucks but it's not really a rental it's just on so like you're not buying it it's like a long it's like a long-term rental i guess because eventually this movie will be on disney plus for everyone in a few months um so you're kind of getting sorry you're kind of getting like an early access to it in a way exactly but you can watch it as many times as you want Oh, nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and I imagine, you know, for those who have small kids, and I know that kids love to watch the same movies over and over and over again, I imagine like that's a really helpful thing because once they watch, once you pay for it once, you know, you could watch it every day if you want after that. There's no like, oh, you have to watch it within this 40, like once you start it, you have 48 hours and then, you know, all that kind of stuff. You can really, um, like I said, it's it's early access to having it on your Disney Plus account. I see. And Um, then eventually, like you said, everybody would get it. Right. Like I think for Mulan, it premiered in like September and then like, like Thanksgiving, they, they put it on for everybody. So it'll be like two or three months. It's like you get, you get it exclusively for paying, paying the extra money. Um, So I'm looking forward to when everybody has a chance to see it. But I think, you know, especially if you have a family, you know, like, I mean, um, like my wife and I was talking, we're talking and, it would cost us almost that much just in tickets alone, let alone like popcorn and snacks and whatever if we were going to see it in the theater. So it's, I don't think it's an unreasonable price. I understand not everyone is, you know, able or willing to pay that compared to just having the regular subscription, but that's, that's a different, you know, everyone's situation is different. But anyway, long story short, uh, I really like this movie. I think it's cool that Disney, um, is kind of trying new genres and trying new things like this is um a it's not a musical it is you know much more a like fantasy adventure movie set in a uh, setting that's strongly influenced by um, from southeast asia Uh, two of the writer the two writers are of southeast asian descent um the one of the co-directors is the guy who did blind spotting um which is really interesting that he is was working on a Disney animated film after that because Blind Spotting is uh, just a really interesting and entertaining movie. Um, and I think you know the reason that Raya really struck a chord with me is because you know it's doing all these familiar fantasy things. It's got some cool action sequences, um, but it really it really puts like trust front and center. And um, the protagonist is trying to bring a fractured world back together basically um and doing that requires trust and you know in her life she has been disappointed by people or betrayed by people and she's not very trusting and so she has to learn to trust you know kind of a a fellowship of the ring situation where she meets one character from this land and another character from this land and they kind of start to form a little team and then that sort of represents you know a new way forward uh by the end of the movie and i think putting that stuff front and center is really cool that it's not about like, Oh, we got to kill the bad guys. It's about like, no, we need to fix 
the thing that's broken about this world. Yeah, it, I I honestly I had read your review on moviejohn.com. So it did interest me in checking out the film. And yeah, I do I just want to go back to what you said earlier. I remember when like these animated movies were coming out, it was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, probably one of the last ones as a child that I cared about was Aladdin. Uh, I I remember asking my mom, like I, I wanted to go see it. I was as a little girl, though, obsessed with The Little Mermaid. Like I had all of like... Like I had school folders, t-shirts, pencils. I think I even had like a Little Mermaid themed party at one point. Like I Mm -hmm. just really liked that movie. And to your point, like as a kid, I watched it over and over again. But probably the last like Disney animated film when I stopped quote unquote caring was The Lion King. Like that movie did not resonate with me at all as a child. And then I just kind of stopped caring um, until they, well, and I guess this is more of a Pixar film, but Wally kind of sucked mm. me back in and Lilo and Stitch. I really liked Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, I definitely had my time away from Disney. I, I feel like the last one that I really, really cared about was Hercules. Because uh, I would have been like eleven, I think, when that came out, eleven or twelve. Um, you know, and I had a younger brother, so like there were ones after that that I definitely saw. Um, you know, in in the theater as part of like, oh, the you know, as a family, we're like we're going to the movies. But that was the last one where I was like really like invested uh, in it. And then I want to say, I mean. And like Pixar, because Pixar was kind of coming up as I was moving away from that, I feel like Pixar sort of like grew up with me in a different way. Like I remember even in college, like, you know, a bunch of my friends like, oh, there's a new Pixar movie coming out. Like we all have to go see it, which is how like, you know, we saw cars in the theater because at that point they hadn't let us down, (laughs) you know. And so, (laughs) um, you know, I I feel like even just the slight difference with our ages, um, like the like Toy Story three came out the year, uh, the year I the year after I graduated college, and so like all of my friends were like we were all the same age, and like you know we were the same like we were, you know, older than the kid from the movies was, but like you know it was almost as if he had grown up with us in a way. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes so, sense. Uh, and then I think it was really like I think it was it was. It was um, uh, Princess and the Frog uh, that they did because they went back to hand-drawn animation for that one uh, that I was like, oh, that I need to see in the theater. And that has some really great music in it, Um, you know, and then just my interest in Disney in general as a company and animation in general as an art form, you know, I've I've been sort of been keeping up with them ever since. And uh, I wrote an article earlier in the week for Movie John, kind of giving, you know, for people who, you know, maybe only watched Disney when they were a kid, um, you know, or don't really know where to start. Um, I kind of tried to pick a few from each sort of era of Disney animation uh, to point people's direction to. Because again, like that's, I think that's a cool thing about Disney Plus in general is that like those movies are always there. And, you know, we grew up in the era of like, oh, you know, the rescuers or Pinocchio is going back in the vault. So you have to buy your VHS now. And like, now they're just, right. they're just always, they're just there. So like, you don't have to, you know, plunk which down. Which is why, plunk. which, sorry, which is why my family would make like VHS copies. Right. <laughs> like when it was on Disney channel, I mm-hmm. had an aunt that would like, would make these VHS copies and then give them to you. So you'd get a tape and it would have like Pinocchio and Little Mermaid and like a bunch of other ones because you couldn't access it regularly to your point unless you went out and purchased it before it went into the vault. Yeah. And their tapes were always more expensive because, you know, they could charge, they could, they could, you know, they could charge more for them. And it, it wasn't until I was like an adult that I realized there were a bunch of Disney movies that I hadn't actually seen, but I had seen parts of them from like the Disney sing-along tapes. I don't know if you ever had any of those. I don't think we did, actually. We didn't um, have any of those. 
so they would take like a song from one of the movies and make it like into like almost like a music video like they would like edit it and like sometimes they would extend it a little bit and they would have like the words uh across the bottom of the screen and you know it, it would like you know there would be like a bouncing ball on top of the words that would like tell you yeah. like, when you could sing along with it i'm definitely familiar but my parents like they did not do like for example my brother and i did not watch sesame street we did not watch mr rogers like we did not do any like typical child things and i really think the only reason we had like access to some of these disney animations was because of this aunt that would like make these tapes and give them to my mom but i don't ever remember oh my mom used to get like vhs tapes sometimes from mcdonald's they were like 99 cents yep (laughs) and we had like a collection of those but yeah so I guess you said, so Raya and the Last Dragon, it's right now available like early access, but will become available soon for everyone. Yep. Yep. And it also, I mean, it also is in theaters, I should say. Uh, Oh, okay. So you could go see it theatrically. Right. Okay. In theory. Yeah. So as for me, I have started getting back to like watching stuff again which is good. And this week I wanted to call attention to the wonderful streaming service that I recently subscribed to and highly recommend, which is Mubi. And no, they are not sponsoring us, but I would welcome them to sponsor (laughs) our podcast. Uh, I signed up Benjamin and I for Mubi because we were both very interested in watching Kathy Yan's 2018 movie, Dead Pigs, which prior to this, like prior to it coming to that platform, apparently it was very hard to track down. Like, I don't even know if it was actually available anywhere for you to like rent or buy. Uh, Yeah, I think I think it was effectively unavailable. Like if you didn't see it at a festival, I don't think there was really a way to see it. Yeah, which is kind of surprising because she ended up directing Birds of Prey. So you think somebody would have picked it up to distribute it. But regardless, I don't want to give too much away, but this is the movie synopsis on Letterboxd, which it says a pig farmer, a busboy, a salon owner, an expat architect, and a jaded rich girl cross paths as thousands of dead pigs float down the river toward Shanghai. And this was Kathy's feature debut. And wow, it's fantastic. Like they should give this woman all the money to make all the stories she wants to make because I was really impressed. And the script is wonderful. The visuals are stunning. And in watching Dead Pigs, you can definitely see like her style and how it came through for uh, Birds of Prey, because there's both films utilize so much color. Mm. And it was really interesting to see like, oh, that was not just like a Birds of Prey thing. She (laughs) likes color because it definitely comes through on Dead Pigs. And it's just a movie I think everybody should watch and check it out. Like I said, it's on Mubi right now. I... But who knows, maybe eventually it will become available like on disc. Like, I think this should be something Criterion should be putting out, frankly. Uh, And maybe they will one day. Yeah, Criterion's been doing a lot of, uh, I feel like they've been picking up a lot of movies from streaming that may otherwise not have gotten disc releases. So like, you know, Portrait of a Lady on Fire is on Hulu from, you know, their deal with Neon. Uh, Mm -hmm. Same thing with Parasite. They put out, you know, Roma and The Irishman from Netflix. So it's definitely something that they are that they are looking at. You know, like there's people at Criterion that are definitely looking at these streaming movies as things that they want to put out on disc. So I I strongly support support that as well. I'm very I'm very looking forward to checking out Dead, Dead Pigs finally. And at some point I will re- revisit Birds of Prey and see if if I take to it better. But um, I'm still excited to see what she does next, too. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what she does next. Uh, 
I think she's a promising filmmaker. So do you want to get to this week's question? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. Dear, I saw in a movie. In lockdown for a year, I've become quite the chef. Sourdough, Pete Stones, and Julia Child are my close friends. So tell me, what's one food item or meal from a movie you'd love to eat? Sincerely, Flim Flambe. And P.S., what's your favorite way to make popcorn at home? So do you want to go first or should I? Sure, sure I can go first. Uh, okay. This, I think, is a great question because it's something I think about a lot, um, especially like there's definitely food movies and there are movies that are like about food. And then there are movies where like food is just sort of there um, and like adding to what's going on in the scene. So so the, the movie I ultimately picked is more is more that it's not like a you know, a Tampopo or a Julia and Julia where it's like explicitly like food is the central theme of the movie. Um, but I, I like both, you know, I always like when I'm watching a movie and like, you know, I mean, for a while I had a t-shirt from Pulp Fiction about Big Kahuna Burger uh, because the burger that Samuel Jackson eats in that movie just looks amazing. <laughs> um, but, but first I, I want to make sure that we answer the postscript before we forget um, yes, I agree. <laughs> because if we didn't answer it, you know we would be getting a text message from Ben like, hey, yep. <laughs> you never answered that postscript. So go ahead. What yeah, is your so, favorite way to make yeah, popcorn so at home? I, I do popcorn on the stovetop at home. I don't mess around with microwave bags or anything uh, because it's super easy um, and less expensive and less wasteful. Um, so you, you get your own pop kernels. Um, I take a, you know, a large pot. I put uh, sunflower oil on the bottom. Um, that's become my oil of choice for, uh, for popcorn. I think it just adds a little bit of like a nutty flavor, but it's still mostly neutral. Um, so that and a bunch of salt, you put on, put that on the stove. It'll start popping. Um, usually like right after it starts popping, I'll turn the heat off and just shake the pot to like get you know make sure as many of the kernels as possible pop without burning uh, and then dump it into a big bowl and recently i've been uh, sprinkling za'atar spices on top of it um while it's still warm and they'll usually like stick a little bit and i think that adds it's it's just a, it's a fun flavor i've done other ones in the past um but i like my popcorn a little bit on the the plain side. I don't go crazy with the flavors, but uh, like I said, Zatar spices is like what I've been, what I've been using lately. Yeah. Similar to you, my favorite way to have popcorn at home, except Benjamin makes it. I don't make it. (laughs) Uh, It's Benjamin's supreme stovetop popping corn. And he tends to make it with real butter And sometimes, though, we do mix it up and we'll make it with coconut oil, which Mm. I don't know if you've ever done that, but it's absolutely delicious. Oh, you have. I I, I love it. Yeah, I I do like coconut oil. Um, Coconut's not my favorite flavor. Um, So recently I've switched over to sunflower oil, but I I would definitely recommend people give coconut oil a shot. And partially what's fun about coconut oil is that at room temperature, it's solid. Um, yes so it's it's really even like easy to just like take a spoonful and just like toss it in (laughs) yeah i actually so i like coconut but i like real coconut not like artificial tasting Mm -hmm. stuff but yeah i love it with popcorn but typically we do make it with real 100 percent butter And I like to add, I don't add spices typically, like we just use butter and salt, but I do like to add in M&Ms or Reese's Pieces. Like I like to mix them in um, because I like that salty and sweet. But I did want to mention that in terms of like movie theater popcorn, my favorite popcorn I've ever had in movie theater besides like in Europe was in Canada. And... There's this 
multiplex that you go to when you go to TIFF, um, Toronto International Film Festival. It's called Scotiabank. And their popcorn is fantastic. And I learned the reason why. It's because they use real butter. They don't use mm. like that chemical butter. And like, you know how like when you go to the movie theater here in the US, it's like the, ye- the popcorn's always like yellowish already. Yeah. It's like already pre like chemical. <laughs> Yeah, they don't do that in Canada. So, like, Canada popcorn is better. Well, I will say, uh, and I'm I'm partially probably saying this, I'm a little biased as it's, you know, basically the only movie popcorn I've had in the past year, but I am a big fan of the way they do popcorn at the Mahoning Drive-In. It is extremely salty. There's a lot of what I presume is artificial butter flavor. Um, and then they will add, if you want, the, like, liquid butter on top of it um but their popcorn is delicious (laughs) yeah theirs is pretty good at the drive-in ben and i and have gotten it and have really enjoyed it and the thing that's fun about that place is like you can get like the mega bag or whatever Mm -hmm. and it's not expensive at all and you can just keep getting it refilled like throughout the time because usually at Mahoning they're showing like two to three movies, so mm-hmm. you're gonna go through the popcorn. Yeah, and it, especially when it's a cool, uh, like a cool evening, and the popcorn's hot, it's just I don't know. There's something there's something a little magical about that place in general, and their popcorn is definitely part of the experience. Yeah, for me, it so. is a it is an interesting place. I like that you said it's magical because. Even when it's like so hot in Philadelphia, you go to Mahoning and it's like somehow cool and like crisp. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I need a sweatshirt. I need a hoodie because I'm cold. Even though in like Philly, I'm like like an hour before I'm sweating. And Yeah, I will get in odd. the car to drive to the Mahoning in shorts and a t-shirt and I will get to the Mahoning and at some point I will put on a hoodie and sweatpants and it's... It's the best. It really is. So I'm looking forward to going back uh, soon because they open in April. Yeah, I'm really excited too. And I know we were talking before the show, but I'm really excited because they're doing like a Joe Bob Briggs like film festival. And I submitted Pizza Man, the short film that my friend Katie McBrown and I made. And I'm really hoping it gets in because I cannot imagine like seeing it in a drive-in. That would be so cool. And I really hope it gets in as well. And I would be remiss if I didn't uh, clarify and say Katie McBrown, co-host of the Best Friends, Best Friends Forever podcast. Yes. Yes. She is now a movie genre. I like sucked her into <laughs> our movie vortex. Uh, uh, but yeah. So, so go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, now that we've talked popcorn, we can talk about the movies. Uh <laughs> yeah. So what movie did you think of to answer yeah, so, this person's question? And so I, I thought of a lot of movies. Um, you know, we were talking about Disney and animated films uh, earlier. And, I, you know, Ratatouille is, is a go to example for a great movie about food and what food means to people. And uh, that's a movie that I really like a lot. But I wanted to I wanted to think about something I hadn't thought of before, which was uh, dessert, because. I don't have I don't have too much of a sweet tooth. I have like particular things that I like. I really like donuts. I really like cookies. Um, you know, cake. It depends on my mood. You know, other things. But um, a movie that has been on my list to watch forever, and so I watched it for the first time in preparation for this is Sofia Coppola's Marie Antoinette from two thousand and six. And I remember when this movie was coming out. I, I hadn't even seen Lost in Translation at this point because um, I was like in college. I, I just remember seeing the ads for this and I was like, oh, like a Marie Antoinette thing. But she's wearing like sneakers and there's like punk rock music. And I was like, oh, like I, you know, I was like this. This is very like a historical and whatever. And, you know, I didn't really even know who Sofia Coppola was and everything. So, you know, I've come a long way. I watched this movie and absolutely loved it. Um and when I was, you know, doing research for this question, I saw an image of um, Kirsten Dunst as Marie Antoinette and Steve Coogan eating French macaroons. Mm. Um, and I have to say, 
French macaroons are amazing. It's just like, like I remember the first time I had one because I just, you know, they were just weren't around me when, when I was growing up and I like took a bite and it like melted in my mouth. And it's one of those where like, sometimes the flavor, you can't even tell what it is because it's very sweet, but it's the flavor of it is a little subtle. So like it could be lemon, it could be raspberry, it could be strawberry, but because it, it just melts in your mouth and it's so bright and yeah. colorful, um, you know, and it really fits the movie. Uh, and there's a lot of other, there's a lot of food and a lot of desserts in the movie, but the macaroons are what really stood out for me. And that's, that's ultimately why I was picking it. Cause they are one of those things where like, you know, you get, uh, especially like when we were in Paris, you, you could get like a little like case that would have like six or eight of them in all different colors and flavors. And it's just like the perfect treat. I don't know. Yeah, no. So I just revisited Marie Antoinette because I knew you were watching it for the pod. And yeah, I was definitely remembering Ben and my trip to Paris, which was, it seems now forever ago. But when we were both there, so you know this, Ryan, maybe some of the listeners don't, but we're vegetarian. So -hmm. when we were in France, it was kind of difficult finding food. Because a lot of places, they don't really recognize vegetarianism or veganism. But we were so fortunate to find when we were there this vegan bed and breakfast. And it was amazing. These people were actually from Ohio. And they moved there like many moons ago. And they were like, hey, we're vegan and there's nothing here. So like we want to host a place where veggie people can come and feel comfortable, but then they would provide like tips because they did speak French. So they were awesome because they like pointed us to like places and Ben and I are not vegan, but we are vegetarian. So it was really nice to have them point us to plate like patisseries and like bakeries that we were fine to eat at. And I just remember in Paris, like we would find like these hole in the wall, like bakeries. And it was like the best thing I ever ate in my life. And so I totally understand when you're describing these macaroons, I'm like remembering, yeah, you get like this little box of them. And like, I too am not a sweet tooth person, but like when I was there, I was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know why they're like the, and they're like the perfect size where you're like, Oh, I can eat one. Yeah. I'm just going to pop one in and then like I'll pop another one in an hour later (laughs) and it's like no big deal, but you're walking a lot. So like, Mm -hmm. it's okay. It's totally fine. But they're like perfect for walking around Paris. And again, like they're so colorful and you know, they, I really feel like, uh, because I was blown away by this movie watching it. Like I I expected to like it. Um, but I, I ended up loving it. And I think the, macaroon really like symbolizes sort of like the color like i said the color that's present throughout the movie um the the way that she approaches marie antoinette as a subject in terms of like she kind of humanizes her but doesn't make her like too delicate or too sympathetic and i know it's just a very interesting movie i'm very much also looking forward to reading um matt crump's article about it in the new movie john issue Yeah. And it was fun watching it. So Ben and I watched it last night. He had never seen Marie Antoinette. And like his dialogue with me afterwards, just how much is really going on in that movie? Because it's more, there's more than just the story of Marie Antoinette. Like there is a lot going on Mm -hmm. in the sense of like, women and their role in society and you know how and and also about like I know I saw in your review you said something about like just the way that royalty kind of dictates people's lives and what happens and yeah it's just such a a fun weird movie that like I can't believe no one liked when it came out because to your point I actually saw it in the theater when it came out And I was surprised how poorly it did. And actually, when Ben was looking it up last night, 
Apparently, it costs like $40 million to make. Well, in the U.S., it only made like $16 million. Yeah. And like, it did really like bad. And I feel like it really was ahead of its time. Like, I feel like if it came out now, it would, like, be nominated for Best Picture. Like, and I'm not... I am not exaggerating. Oh, yeah. It really it really does feel like a movie that speaks to now even more than it did, you know, 15 years ago when it came out. And I feel like we just weren't ready for it. And I think now the, um, you know, the because she uses like modern music and, you know, there's Converse sneakers at one point and like it kind of mixes these things in with like. I don't know, just a really gorgeous costume drama. But I feel like the way that people now are obsessed with like Downton Abbey became super popular and The Crown has been super popular. And I feel like the idea of doing period piece movies is a little more elastic than it used to be. Like, I really do feel like this movie would like just do better. Like if they could, they could just re-release it and be like, this is a brand new movie and people would lose their minds. (laughs) Well, and I really also just want to say like Kirsten Dunst is one of the best actors of our lifetime Mm -hmm. and like no one talks about her and it's just really weird to me like she's been in a lot of things but she is a great actor and yeah yeah, I don't know I think she's fantastic yeah Mm -hmm. I just don't know why people aren't talking about her regularly but well, because yeah. I feel like she, I feel like she doesn't do the kinds of performances that get awards buzz because, you know, she's not transforming herself. She's still being, you know, right. a very conventionally attractive woman. But I think the kinds of roles that she plays and the way that she plays them, like, I think, you know, there's so much about Marie Antoinette that I think you can, you know, or at least this take on the real person that you can glean from just her performance, like the way her face reacts to things, the way that, you know, her body language and where she's putting her eyes in various scenes and various moments, I think conveys so much about like, you know, it, a lot of this movie, I feel like is reminding people that like, hey, Marie Antoinette was like a rich teenage girl. And it's not necessarily like her fault that her and her teenage boy husband were like put in charge of France. Like, you know, they didn't choose, you know, they didn't choose the royal life. The royal life chose them, is I think what I put in my letterbox review. And I think that, you know, her performance and Jason Schwartzman's performance um, are both very funny in that, like, I think making the body language and the face reactions, as well as some of the like prop choices and song choices in the movie, make them feel more like people we know in real life or people we can recognize, you know, ourselves in and our times in. And I think that just makes the whole thing like more relevant to today and commenting on what came before. Like there's, like you said, there's so many layers to this movie. There Um, is. There's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And just to talk about Jason Schwartzman, because, you know, I don't care for him. Um. Like, this role, though, he was perfectly cast in it. Because every time I saw him, I was just like, ugh. Like, <laughs> he's just, like, awful. But also, like, he eats the worst food. Yeah. And Kirsten yeah. Dunst eats the best food. Like, if you're talking about foods. Like, she eats the best foods and drinks the best drinks. He eats, like, the worst. Because he's the worst. That's just my opinion. <laughs> Um, I I really enjoy and I think uh, I was talking to my wife Jill when we were watching it uh, and she had seen it before but uh, I was like I feel like this is one of the few times where they purposely casted people who didn't have chemistry and the movie is better for it oh yeah no definitely um, so I agree with that yeah and it and like I said it's it's there's so many layers to it it's also very fun and entertaining I laughed out loud a couple of times while watching it for sure um, so again, if you haven't seen it, you should definitely watch it. Um, I, oh, I also wanted to mention that they got to actually film at Versailles, which is kind of crazy. Um, oh, I, I, I did see that. Yes. That they actually filmed there and there was, I think like renovations going on or something like while they were filming. Yeah. I think that's part of why they might've been able to film because, 
it, it was like already close or parts of it or whatever were already close to the public. So like they didn't have to worry about, you know, oh, we're going to sh- shut down Versailles for this movie or whatever. Um, right. But apparently that had never happened before. And I think, you know, they make the most of the location. And um, yeah, so definitely I feel like there's a lot of people, especially men, because it seems like all the women I know have seen this movie. <laughs> uh so if you haven't seen Marie Antoinette, I highly recommend checking it out. Or if you haven't seen it in a long time, it's definitely worth revisiting. Um, yeah. I uh, think so it Rosalie, was a good what, what did you pick? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. So initially, you know, with my pick, I had no idea what I was going to pick because I love food. However, a chef, I am not. Like, I don't cook. Uh I'm a very good assistant in the kitchen, but it's really like when it comes down to like running the stove and the oven and things like that, it's all Ben, my partner in crime. Like he, he really does all of the cooking. I will often find recipes or like things I'm like, Ben, make this. (laughs) And he makes it happen. But I don't, like, yeah, you don't want me cooking a meal. Like, it's just going to get wild. I, yeah, I'm just not good with, like, the directions and the instructions. So this was kind of hard for me uh, to think of a film. But at the same point, I realized, like, I could make an elaborate meal probably if I put my mind to it. Like, if mm-hmm. I really, like a George McFly, like, if I was like, I'm going to focus and do this, but the problem is, like, I just have so many other ideas, like, racing around that, like, I can't. So, if it came down to it, like, I'd probably have to, like, perform, like, magic to, like, make a really good meal. And then that made me realize, like, oh, my gosh, there's this movie with, like, where there's magic and the person suddenly becomes a better chef. And this was a totally like teen Rosalie, like favorite movie. I watched it quite a bit, but the 1999 Simply Irresistible starring Sarah Michelle Gellar and Sean Patrick Flannery. And have you ever seen it, Ryan? Uh, I have not. Um, (gasps) You have not. I have not. Okay. Well, for Ryan and the people at home who have not seen it, basically, this is essentially about a woman. Her name is Amanda, and she's played by Sarah Michelle Gellar, whose mother recently passed away and in passing leaves her with this family restaurant that Amanda is now running with her aunt. And you kind of get the impression that Amanda was also working there, but more as like a waitress, like that capacity. She was not Mm -hmm. cooking. Well, the restaurant is somewhere in New York City, so like very high rent. And the family has had this restaurant for 70 years, but they find out like the landlord is going to increase the rent by $5,000 a month which is a lot. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that Amanda is a terrible cook. So the business has been suffering since her mom died. And that is until she goes to the farmer's market and a magical crab wanders or saunters, however you want to describe it, into her life, giving her the ability to be like a supreme Ben Leonard chef. Like, she can cook anything. And it also, the crab also helps her find love. So there's, like, a lot of magic going on. Does, but before, wait, go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask a question. Sure. Um, how does the crab communicate with her? The crab doesn't. Okay. It kind of just, like, gives off these magic vibes, I'll say. Okay. Okay. Like through its like claws or pinchers. So the, the crab isn't being like, this is how you make this dish. Oh, no, no. The crab's just like setting on a shelf, like literally okay. on a shelf under a piece of lettuce. Like kind of puppet. <laughs> it's like a, it's like puppeteering. 
so to speak. I see. It's like see. making the food. But anyway, so before I dive in, though, like four just real quick facts about this movie that I did not remember because I honestly have not revisited this movie since I was a teenager. I didn't realize it's a doll movie. There is dolls in this movie, and I did not remember that, so I had to point that out. Um, Apparently, Sarah Michelle Gellar went on record as saying this was her least favorite movie she ever made in her career. She, like, (laughs) hates this film. Um, Three, you can see strings being pulled on the magical crab in the film. (laughs) So you can see... That the major role of this crab is actually just a puppet. And then four, the crab at one point, and I did not remember this, apparently wears a tux and a top hat. I mean, sold. Didn't remember that, but it's a very small glimpse. Like, it's so quick. because, And the only reason, like, I knew about this was because Ben spotted somebody's review on Rotten Tomatoes where they, like, mentioned, like, I suffered through this, but I did get to see a crab in a top hat. And Ben was like, I am waiting for crab and top hat. And it was like such a small, tiny glimpse that he was just like, that's it. So like, you don't want to blank or you might mess up, but it does happen. Um, But to answer our listeners question about the food. So like, There seems to be a lot of sorcery that's like occurring in this film. But what I took away is like the food seems to take on her emotion. So like however Amanda's feeling like the food takes that on. So like, for example, when she's making food for this guy, Tom, that she's crushing on played by Sean Patrick Flannery and his then girlfriend played by Amanda Peet they just start suddenly being like brutally honest to each other because while Amanda was making the food, that's like what she was doing. So it's Mm. like the food like projects her emotion. Uh, But it did make me think that like when you do make food, like you really do kind of have to have this like love involved, which I think I like lack. Like oftentimes when I'm making food, I'm like rushing to like just – oh, I need to make something really quick and I'm just going to throw it together. Whereas I feel like when Ben's making it, it's different. He's like trying to make a really good meal and he wants it to be really good. So he like takes the time and the patience and like, I don't do that. (laughs) Um, I will say, I feel like that's one of the upshots of uh, having been working from home for the past year is that I feel like my cooking skills have gotten better because I'm not like rushing home in the car and then being like, now I'm starving. I have to, ru- I have to like make this meal. Um, you know, being at home means, oh, I can just wrap up my work day, then I can start mm-hmm. cooking, and it it allows me to feel less rushed. Even though I probably shouldn't feel rushed in the other situation, I feel like it's that whole like, because if. Uh, where my office is in relation to where I live, if I don't leave by a certain time, my commute gets longer because traffic gets worse and worse. Right. So I'm always like rushing out the door, rushing to the car, rushing home. And then I'm like manic trying to cook. And I feel like being at home, you're, you know, it allows me to take that time, take a deep breath, relax, read the instructions more than once. Like, <laughs> Yeah, um, no, that makes sense, you know, because we all aren't like Ben who can like throw a pizza in the air. Like he can literally throw dough in the air. <laughs> I cannot do that. And like, I totally understand what you're saying about like the time factor, because oftentimes I'm like doing other things. So then like I want this really good meal but i just don't have the time to like invest in it Mm -hmm. uh but throughout the movie like and this is just one example like she put so much love into making her eclairs which i do have to say i have not had a good eclair since paris but she puts so much love into them that when people eat them, they're like taken over with this like orgasmic feeling <laughs> because they're just like, they're so good. And 
there is like a ridiculous scene in which like Patricia Collarkson like has this like moment with the Claire and it's just like really strange, um, but also entertaining. So, but I do want to stop myself because I feel like I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole here with the film. And I did want to point out things that, you know, the listener in their question was asking and I don't think this is a great movie, but there are some things to notice in it or watch out for. I feel as a teen, it like charmed me, but as an adult, I'm like, eh, (laughs) why did I like this so much? Because it's just so goofy. Like it has some old Hollywood like screwball, like comedy element to it, which I enjoy. But the problem is like the montages and the music. Mm make it such like this bloated like excessive thing whereas like i feel in old classic hollywood screwballs they're very swift run times you know like they're 70 80 minutes like this is almost an hour and a half and it's like well if you took out that montage (laughs) it'd be a lot shorter but anyway Mm -hmm. i do like that this movie has like this whole fantastical element to it And in terms of food, I feel there are a couple things that our listener could look for in this movie, and one being plating. This movie has a lot of really creative and interesting methods to the way that they plate food, which I feel like people, especially in the movie, like when they would get their plate of food from Amanda, they would be wowed. But then they would actually taste it and they were like, oh, my God, it's equally as good. Because sometimes you go out to a restaurant and it's like, oh, it looks beautiful. And then you Mm -hmm. taste it and you're like, there's no flavor. (laughs) (laughs) But like in this case, people were very not only wowed by the presentation, but then also the taste. And it made me kind of think about people of today and like so many people who take like Instagram photos of their food. Like that is essentially what you're seeing in this movie is like a lot of plates that you would end up seeing on Instagram. I see. So again, another movie ahead of its time. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I I also like, you know, that she does put her emotion and feeling into the food Because I feel, again, you know, to go back to what I was saying earlier, I do think sometimes I get rushed in making things because I'm hungry or just my lack of time. Like today was a good example. I ended up just eating a bagel because like I was running from call to call and it was fine, but it was like Ben's salad looks so much better because he took the time and effort into making something. So I do think that's important, as well as in this movie, something it showcases is fresh ingredients. Like throughout the film, like you see her going to the farmer's market and then like she gets a delivery, but it's like fresh produce and it's not food filled with like preservatives and junk. Like it's like, oh, no, that is a fresh carrot or a fresh potato like I'm not making something instant so I think that's really important too because I feel like a lot of people buy like frozen things which we don't do too much of but yeah I mean frozen frozen vegetables are perfectly acceptable I will say but you're right like frozen frozen dinners uh instant things I feel like for the most part it actually doesn't take that much longer in terms of time or effort to make something from scratch versus instant. Yeah. It's funny. You know, you say that because one time I bought like frozen butternut squash because I had like a coupon or something and it was like cubed up already. Ben Mm -hmm. and I made it and it had like no flavor. It was just like the blandest thing. And it's like whenever we make a fresh butternut squash, which, yeah, there is a little time and effort you have to put into like peeling it, cutting it, roasting it. But like the flavor is always amazing. 
like no matter when we get it or buy it, but it was like the frozen. I don't know if it just like took all that flavor out of it or what, but it was just so bland. So I don't know. I, I'm always like a proponent of you should buy fresh, but there mm-hmm. are certain things frozen that are acceptable. Like corn. Yeah. I was just going to say frozen corn is like my go-to example for, you know, I'm making a corn chowder and it's winter and I can't get fresh corn. Right. Frozen corn, totally fine. Totally fine. Even broccoli florets, I'm fine. They're fine. But there's certain veggies like asparagus. No, thank you. No, has to be fresh. Yeah. So, but I did want to mention my favorite piece of food from this movie, which I wish I could eat, really is the eclair. And yes, it's not just like the reaction people are having when they're eating the eclair, but it's also like I said in the beginning of the show, like I don't feel I've had a very good eclair since we went to Paris. And actually, Ben was the one that was all about the eclairs when we went there. And I'm just like, oh, I don't really like them. But it was because I was having U.S. eclairs. Mm -hmm. Then I had one there. And I was like, oh, my God, they're so good. And then I came back here to the States, and I was like, they are disgusting. (laughs) I could not agree with you more. I refuse to eat American eclairs just because, again, it's not that they are terrible they're pretty bad as far as they're bad but it's but like i'm not getting them because i'm like oh they're so much better in paris like you haven't had them authentically it's just that americans are not good at making them and we're good at other things like i said i like donuts you know i'm not gonna get a donut when i'm in paris because i imagine they're not as good as they are here in america like we've figured out donuts so like it's in america that's what i'm gonna do yeah and in this movie, though, like the eclairs look like the Parisian style. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm like, and she puts them in like the little pink box. And I'm like, yes, because that's what they do in Paris. Like everything's in a little pink box. <laughs> As it should be. Yeah. I mean, have we learned nothing from the Grand Budapest Hotel? Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, as for like the food I, I just feel like, you know, watch this movie, check it out. See what you think, listener. I mean, I don't know. Like, some of this stuff does seem quite elaborate, but maybe you want to take the time. Because, like, there's, like, a lot – because that's the other thing I should mention. Well, I mentioned earlier, like, my husband and I are vegetarian. So, like, some of the meat dishes look good, but, like, I wouldn't try them. Like, she makes, like, a crab Napoleon it looks really good, but like I probably wouldn't make it. So, but like the way it's presented, see, that's the thing. The way it's presented just looks awesome. And then it like made me like miss eating out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, presentation is a factor. I, I occasionally will post photos of food that I've made to Instagram. And it really only is when uh, I'm really proud of how it looks. And because I probably haven't tasted it yet when I'm taking the picture. <laughs> um, so I, I do think presentation is important. And, and again, that's always something to just take the extra like one minute and stop and think about how you want to do it and then give it a try. You know, you don't have to go crazy, but uh, I think it's always good to take inspiration from uh, different places. Which actually brings me to the one piece of food in this movie, and I almost forgot, but I need to mention that it was a very bad choice. (laughs) Towards the end of the movie, so the guy Tom, played by Sean Patrick Flannery, he works for like this fancy schmancy department store that's like opening this like really high end restaurant. His chef quits and he ends up hiring Amanda to like do the grand opening dinner and she decides for the dessert to make these like caramel like apples which yes wonderful combination except when people like cut into them the apples like emit this like fog that it looks like they're farting that's really funny that is no like presentation that i give an f 
yeah. for presentation <laughs> because it just looked very unappetizing. So to your point, Ryan, like you should always be thinking about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Don't just slap it on the plate. Like, that's gross. <laughs> but, exactly. So we talked about plating, freshness. You brought up macaroons, which are very colorful. I think we got this. I think we, I hope we helped the listener. Yeah. And at the very least, you know, there's a lot of food, it sounds like, in both movies. So I think, you know, between them, you will find something uh, that you'll want to make. Because in Marie Antoinette, there's a, a very brief montage that is just shots of food, the way that they yes. would be presented on Instagram. <laughs> exactly. So. Ahead of its time, like you yeah. said. Exactly. Yep. It kind of makes me want now like a movie food cookbook. Well, there is um, there's a YouTube channel I watch called Binging with Babish, and he has put out a cookbook since. But every episode, he makes a meal from a movie or TV show. Oh yeah, you brought this up before when we were talking about the waitress. Yeah, because he like made yeah. pies from there. Mm-hmm. Yes, so maybe uh, we so should he, reshare that again. We should. Um, and he he has come out with a cookbook that has a bunch of his you know first you know however many recipes in there but uh he's always you know that now that he's been doing it for a couple of years he's uh definitely hit some interesting interesting stuff that's cool cool so before we sign off don't forget you can find a breakdown of the episodes on moviejohn.com where you can also subscribe to our quarterly print movie zine and our first issue of 2021 is now shipping and it celebrates and features the use of color in film so don't let the gray days of winter bring you down get lost in the brilliant hues of movie john's winter issue which is now available for order at moviejohn.com shop and you can follow the show on Twitter at I Saw It In A Movie. You can also send us your questions at Dear I Saw It In A Movie at gmail.com or send us postal mail at P.O. Box 20172, Philadelphia, PA, 19145, Attention Movie John. And Ryan, where can people find you? Sure. Uh, they can find me on twitter and letterbox and instagram at silver whatever and that's with a b and uh my formula one podcast f yet f1 that i do with friend of the show and friend of movie john ian kimball uh will be coming back later on this month covering we'll be starting with uh the netflix documentary series drive to survive season three uh, and then we'll transition into covering the new 2021 formula one season great and you can find me on Instagram at the.oldsport or Twitter at bonjouroldsport. And check out my other podcasts. I have The Cinematic Crypt, in which I go six feet under to uncover films of Hollywood's past. And you can also find me on the Best Friends Forever pod, which I co-host with my film pal, Katie McBrown. And each episode, we invite you to join our slumber party and we gab about a movie that features our favorite heartthrob. And our second episode featuring Keith Ledger will actually be out this Friday, March the 12th. And yeah, so I hope you check it out. And Ryan, do you have any advice for our listeners today? Yep. Uh, So there's certainly, even in the film, uh, some debate about this line. But, you know, given the topic of the episode and given the movie I chose, I do just have to say, let them eat cake. That's a good one. Because cake is good. (laughs) What is your favorite type of cake? My favorite type of cake is probably just like a classic like birthday cake style cake. Oh, like a vanilla with chocolate or vanilla with um, vanilla? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I like vanilla with vanilla. Um, you know, for my birthday this past year, I had my wife make me a Funfetti cake because that seemed to be the most cheerful. With a February birthday, sometimes you just have to go for... <laughs> yes, Funfetti is awesome. I 
I really like coconut cake, which I have mm. this recipe from my mom's godmother, and it is just so good. It's like a vanilla cake, and you bake coconut in it, and then it has like this really good icing. But that's like my favorite. Um, but mine is also my piece of advice is also about dessert, and it's compliments of Amanda. And she says, I love dessert. It's the whole point of the meal. And this is a reminder that you should always save room for dessert. Because I feel like when I've eaten out with Benjamin, like I always try to remember like, oh, I can order dessert. (laughs) Because I find like when you go out to eat, like they always have like some kind of like elaborate dessert that like I Mm -hmm. wouldn't necessarily make at home, you know, because it's just like so much work. Any dessert that's served in like a special dish or like you get like a, you know, a brownie that is like served warm and like a little like cast iron thing and then they put ice cream on it. Yeah, my big, I mean, a big thing that I want to do when I'm eventually able to eat out again is make sure I like taking home part of your meal and then ordering dessert is a boss move. I do that. But like, no, it's great because then you have like, oh, I have lunch tomorrow and dessert now. Like that's well, or I mean, a meal at night. Well, I mean, <laughs> if I'm if 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 I'm night snacking, I'm usually sneaking a piece of cheese out of the fridge. Honestly, yeah, yeah I'm not going to heat something up. Yeah, which <laughs> I will just leave our listeners with knowing that you know, in our refrigerator, because we're vegetarian, like our meat drawer is actually a full on cheese drawer like it's just packed with cheese uh so is ours because we we keep very little meat in the house these days yeah because cheese is the best it is so we thank you for listening and remember for every question there is a movie with an answer bye bye bye